Good evening. Uh, you see, we've got the right people in. There might not be many, but you know how to make a bloody noise, don't you? Trust the Geordies. Um, <laughs> so, if you don't know, and I'm sure you do, because half of you are performing, um, this is Tragic Jibber, an amalgamation of stand-up tragedy and jibber-jabber. I hope none of you have any tragedy in your lives at the moment. Anybody got any tragedy? Oh, Rowan. Well, I hope you haven't, but you will have by the end of the night. You'll have tragedy in abundance by the end of this show. Uh, yes, because that's what we want. That's what we want for a Monday night in Edinburgh, isn't it? Yes. Okay, so it will also be a podcast, and you can check the podcast online afterwards at standuptragedy.co.uk, I believe. Yes, got it. Cool. Check me out. I can remember things. Anyway, I'm going to do a little poem to start things Woo! off. Woo! Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I'm a poet, and that's Woo! what we do. Okay, are you all familiar with Wiley Coyote? Yes. Yes, that, that cartoon character who had devious plots to kill the Roadrunner by buying ridiculous inventions from a company called Acme, just in case nobody did know at the back and they, they, they just didn't want to say anything and look silly. And so this is um, an account of his therapy session because even cartoon characters end up in therapy. And surprisingly, he's got a Northeast female accent. Who would have thought it? <laughs> no, I haven't heard of narcissistic personality disorder or OCD. What, you think they apply to me? All right. I see. How does that make me feel? I don't know. A bit flat, really. <laughs> a little 2D. I'm nearly 64. Could have done so much more. I'm a super genius, you know. I'll admit, my attempts to showcase my ingenuity didn't go too well. I went through hell. No one saw the menial jobs I had to do. Minimum wage to fund those fanatical follies. It's jolly well embarrassing. With all that money I spent at Acme, I could have eaten in Edinburgh every night in fancy restaurants and shite. <laughs> I feel like I've wasted my life. Missed out on opportunities to visit new countries, get me a wife or learn to play clarinet. Since I got the internet, I hooked up with Match.com to make some new friends. I thought about Twitter and MySpace, but God, even I knew better than that. Um, I've had emails from Acme begging me to go back. I've only had one tweet. It read simply, meep, meep. <laughs> Cheers, guys. <laughs> Do you know what I find really, really, really tragic? It's people who don't like spoken words. Whoa. There are people in existence who do not like poetry. There are people who work on the TV show Countdown who do not like poetry. This genuinely happened. I was disgusted. Nick Hewer, host of Countdown, announces with a frown, the rhyme of the ancient mariner is dull. 
In fact, Coleridge is dull. This ex-star of the Apprentice Muses, if he could choose any verse to infiltrate his ears, it would have to be the poetry of good old Will Shakespeare. With a fake, smug smile, he turns to Rachel Riley for her take on the situation. She hesitates, then states she must admit she thinks poetry is shit. Wow. Okay, so not our exact turn of phrase, but sums up what she says. Riley has no time for rhyme. Loosely quotes a mate of Oppenheimer. Maths explains that which you don't already know in the simplest terms when poetry does, well, the complete reverse. With a flick of her hair, she bears a grin almost as smug as Nix. I swear I sensed Susie Dent's frustration silently fuming in Dictionary Corner before the small talk dissipated and the atmosphere grew a little warmer. And I wondered whether Rachel had ever seen words arranged in ways that leapt from the page or to touch her heart or jumpstart her brain. And I pitied her as I watched her place her letters on display, never knowing, never caring what the poets could make them say. Thank you very much. Okay, so we will kick off with our first guest. He is a fantastic Northeast poet. He's got a show here at the Fringe called Northeast Rising at Clarksport at 1 p.m. Go to it. Go to it every single day because it's amazing. He's also my housemate at the minute, so I have to plug his show. So keep him sweet, basically. Uh, please welcome to the stage the magnificent Mr. Rowan McCabe. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the Geordie cultural ambassador for this year's Edinburgh Fringe. I'm trying to prove that Geordie people aren't thick like they are on Geordie Show, um, which lots of people have told us why, while I've been flyering is impossible. Um, so I've been saying, you know, come and I'll try and prove you wrong. Uh, um, I'm going to start with one about... It was about a venue that I used to love going to back home, and it was a bit like here at the Banshee Labyrinth, actually. It was a really old building, like really, really old. But he used to get used for lots of nice modern things, you know? And he used to put raves on there, right? It was called the Cooperage. And they did the most amazing raves in this big, old, kind of ancient building. It's the second oldest building in Newcastle. And um, I wrote this poem as a dedication to that. It's called uh, The Cooperage, inventively enough, because that was what it was called. <laughs> this one is for the Cooperage, with its 14th century face. The one that makes Shakespeare look like Jake Bug on his first birthday. Crisp white paint and ancient oak beams like some secluded inn out of Lord of the Rings. I wonder if they could have guessed 400 years ago and its conception that the Cooperage would be a venue for ravers to drop <laughs> pills in. I spent hundreds of nights on its top two floors, scaled its vertical flight steps less wide than tall, twisted through its narrow door frames, black winding halls. It was like getting wrecked in a haunted house. Up there, rooms just seemed to like appear out of nowhere, 
Like the architect had used a pineapple as a tape measure. Like the preferred local of MC Escher. I spent hundreds of nights cowied in that maze, but the best one by far was Ed Cox in 2008. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with the musical genre that is clowncore. <laughs> Any takers? It's, yeah. It's a fine concept, too often overlooked, right? It's jungle, drum and bass and gabba mashed with gypsy folk and punk. It was always going to be weird, admittedly, but as an extra special treat, you got a pound off your entry if you came dressed like a clown freak. That was their words, not mine. Well, there was neon hair and baggy pants as far as the eye could see, like some dystopian circus set in 2063. The distorted bass shook the window panes, so they vibrated about an inch each way. I didn't think they could take that kind of sonic strain in the old age, but they stayed in place. Just wobbling, holographic, like a hummingbird or a tractor on whiz. Clowns, clowns everywhere that danced under the moon. Clowns, clowns everywhere, but no one had balloons. There was clowns with gurning faces and a dripping wet face paint. There was clowns on the dance floor pulling mental shapes. There was clowns in the toilets selling things in baggies. There was clowns in the seating area drinking mushroom tea. There was clowns in the alley smoking on the ground. There was clowns hugging tightly saying, Hear me, you pure sound. Where's all the sound clowns now? That's what I want to know. The Cooperage was doomed to rot the day they built posh flats behind it and the residents made too many noise complaints. But I have a dream based on one simple fact that the Cooperage was there first and the Cooperage is going to be there last. I dream of a day when the arseholes have moved away. Somewhere arseholes are meant to stay like Mars or the countryside where they can complain to the local authority about the sun rising too early or the excessive amount of stars in the night sky. I dream of a day when the rickety oak doors are thrown wide, when they turn back on the shitty festive lights, when the front gets covered with fresh paint and the letters above the door get replaced and the mad rhythms echo in the valleys around as they send back the wide-eyed, sweaty, freaky dancing clowns. Thanks very much, guys. Um, so, as well as being a poet, I am also a vegetarian. Woo! Have we got vegetarians? Oh yes, Dom, you're a vegetarian, aren't you? Hands up if you're a vegetarian. Let's see if I can count in this crazy light. Yeah, we got quite a few, right? I don't know if this happens to you, right? In a room full of veg. <laughs> in a room full of veg. Who knows what could happen? Not cannibalism, that's what. <laughs> um, I don't know if this happens with, with the other veggies in, right? 
But I think people make a lot of assumptions about you when you tell them you're a vegetarian. And one of them is that you're kind of doing it because just for the sole reason that you kind of love all animals and you want to give them a great big hug. And with me, right, it's just not true, right? I hate a lot of animals with a passion. I would happily punch someone in the face <laughs> if I was less of a coward. And I, um, I wrote a poem about one of the many animals that I hate with a passion. It goes like this. I spend every day afraid of metropolitan seagulls. You know the ones I mean, you see them grinning over the bloodied corpse of a pigeon on the high street. They're not those nice ones from your childhood at the beach. They don't swoop past idyllic sandcastles or hover around ice cream vans. They live in swanky flats in the city, inland, and they've never even been to the Isle of Skye. Or seen a sea in their lives except in magazines that leaf through looking for sun-dried paninis, chicken Caesar salads. The middle-class seagulls <laughs> wouldn't be so crass as to steal fish and chips out your hands. Oh no. Instead, conniving gazers unsettle you in urban centers, speak volumes of malcontent as you think. I'm sure they're planning something. Yeah? <laughs> so you get sick of looking over your shoulder. You decide not to go back to that square of town anymore because you're scared. You're scared of the cultured seagulls lurking outside the jazz clubs, chewing only Vogue cigarette butts, menacingly dancing to Charles Mingus. <laughs> they want Thai green curry. They want Belgian waffles, the nests are made out of realist novels and clippings from The Guardian. They're like cronies, but they don't work for cash. They're like villains, but they've got no moustache. And for a slice of suburbia, they moved in next door and the cacao spoils your sleep like police siren screams and you want to call the noise patrol, right? But you can't. They're just seagulls, you know? <laughs> and as you walk down a darkened tin can alley, you feel a pair of wings pin your arms behind your back as you get battered by fists all feathery. As you get completely burst by the seagulls of the city. Guys, as Jenny said, uh, 1 to 2 p.m. every day at Clark's Bar. I'm trying to prove Geordie's on thick. I would love to see you there. Thanks very much for listening. Cheers. Fantastic stuff. Okay, so um, I'm trying to kind of theme the poems that I do to lead into the next performer. Um, so uh, our next performer this evening is not from Newcastle. She's originally from Sunderland, like me. Yes. Just us two then. <laughs> Fuck it. We're loud. We're loud. Yes, for Sunderland. We, we both moved away from Sunderland quite quickly, actually. Um, but this is a, a little poem. Um, Thoughts while walking from the Sunderland Empire Theatre to Car Park. 
The touring incarnation of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, starring Jason, Donovan, not that horror bloke from Friday the 13th, has discarded the melody, I've never been to me, usually sung by the character Tick, played by Jason. Still, Donovan, not the chilly Argonaut guy, who really needed a fleece. Since the tune was included in the West End version I watched in that London the year before last, I can only assume he must have been to me in the meantime <laughs> and would feel insincere if he continued to sing about it. <laughs> um, she uh, was one of the co-founders of Pink Lane Poetry and Performance, where I first started out. So if you don't like me, if I can blame her, she gave me the chance. Um, uh, she's currently in a play uh, called Key Change that's doing absolutely fantastically on the fringe, but she's a brilliant poet as well. Give it up for Jessica Johnson! Hello. Hello. I can't believe you outed me as a macker. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Right, um, I'm really widely underprepared. Um, that's why I'm reading. Um, so yeah, yeah. What should I start with? What should I start with? I'm gonna start with a big one, just so I can bang into it. Um, it's called Cougar. Um, I went clubbing. I used to go clubbing all the time. Um, and then uh, I haven't been out in a while because I got married and had a baby, moved out of the city. Um, and I try to go clubbing, and fool me, it was uh, on Freshers' Week. Does everywhere have a Freshers' Week? Yeah. Yeah, fucking arseholes. <laughs> so, yeah, and I try to go clubbing, and some young little upstart came over and called me a cougar. Oh. <laughs> I'm 33. <laughs> oh, cheeky bastard. Um, so, yeah, and I swear, get over it. Um, okay, it's called Cougar. This is very high. I always have trouble with these things. Right. What did you just call me, you little shit? <laughs> Is that a pint of cow and gate you're drinking, eh? Growing up milk. I think your nappy needs changing, son, or is that just your patter that stinks? Was that meant as a compliment? A chat-up line, you little prick. Now listen to your pet lamb. I didn't ask for this chat. You skid-marked yourself over here, giving it all that. And before I finish this drink, I'll impart a little advice. This is my water and hall, it's my city, and it's my night. So take your freshest attitude and that awful stench of links, your horrible, rapey t-shirt, and your herbal highs that you bought with your bag of chips, and get the fuck away from me for a deck you want. I'll destroy you, little man. You'll be on the next train home. Now go on. Well, mush. Cos even your mates are laughing at you. Call me a cougar, you're lucky. Cos if me drink wasn't so nice, I'd fucking swill you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm a little bit aggressive when I'm drunk. <laughs> He's a lovely boy. Um, but um, I wrote a new one. Woo. I know. Um, I went on a bit of a writing frenzy. I was thinking about one night stands. I used to have a few. I like him. I used to like him. Um, <laughs> because I'm married. Oh, I'm not wearing my ring. <laughs> um, but yes, I did. I used to have one night stands, but there's this thing. I'm reading a book. It's called Black Sheep, right? And it's, um, it's, the, it's, it's, a, it's a psychological study of how bad things can in turn actually be good for us. And he's talking about sex. And there's actually five stages of sex. And the postcoital cuddling is one of them. But when you have a one night stand, they don't do that. 
They don't know. There's, there's, there's a very brief moment. He's kind of still in you. And you kind of do it then. And then he jumps up and he goes, right, there's your trousers. <laughs> there's your hair grips. <laughs> there's your pants. And then he kind of just stands and watches you get ready. See, like, see you later. <laughs> Had a really nice night. Um, yeah, and it's, I just, <laughs> I just find it really strange that they think that you want to stay. It's nothing wrong with having a bit of a cuddle afterwards, do you know what I mean? I'm still going to go, do you know what I mean? I'm not in love with you, chill out. Um, so it's called, I'm not staying. I'm not staying anyway, chill. I'm not staying. I hear the clock ticking and I'm good at reading traffic signals. There's no need to pace the floor. I've no intentions of outstaying this warm welcome because, believe us, when this sigh lifts us from my seated position, I am not staying. I'm already putting my shoes on. And if I accidentally linger in the corridor, it's not for what you think I want you for or for what you think that I thought you saw. It's a trinket of my personal self left carelessly on the floor. And we both know an awkward goodbye is far worse than an awkward hello. I have to go. I'm not staying. My taxi's booked and I know it's outside waiting and searching for the door. Uh, and don't misinterpret it, that last look. It was an involuntary eye flicker, a, 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 a piece of dust that made me look up back in your direction because I'm not staying. But if you asked us to, I'll totes wood. That's that one. Okay. Right. Oh, this one's not very funny. <laughs> I took the tragic bit, literally. Um, okay. Right. Um, yeah, I wrote this one. It kind of ties in with the show that we're doing as well. Um, I don't like, I don't, I don't like things being put on children, on young people. And I think sometimes when you come from that sort of family, they can say things. And someone recently said something about my son. Went, he'll end up in prison, he will. And I just went, oh my god, don't you ever say that about? So yeah, like lioness thing, fucking kill you. Um, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't say that about young people. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're like self-fulfilling prophecies. You should just shut up. Um, so yeah, I wrote it. It's called I Told You So. Um, yes. She'll end up in prison. That's where she's headed. Good for nothing. Always in trouble. Bar, bar, black sheep. Punished, but done nothing. And all the nothings are exaggerated. All the wrongs are exasperated. Blown up into a shitstorm. Branded. Bad from birth, bad to the bone, labelled, stamped, so much so that they can't let it go. They won't let it go. Corruption, we'd call it. Nature versus nurture, trapped in a system of negative behaviour, going out of their way to trip you up. Uh, when you were in the lead, jumping hurdles and you didn't give up despite the bar-bar black sheep of the family ties. Genetics that strangle you, they wreck your insides. And there they stand in your eyeline, judging, piping up only when it suits them and not to cheer you on, of course, but to pull you down from your roots, to string you up with the laces of your hard-working boots, to seek revenge? No, no, it's not revenge. They're just proving their point, a self-fulfilling prophecy that you've heard repeated since the day that you were born. Bar, bar, black sheep, have you any soul? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, and it is better off alone. She'll end up in prison. That's where she's headed. Good for nothing, always in trouble. Bar, bar, black sheep. 
She's punished and she's done nothing. Thank you. There's my shop. It's called Key Change. We're on at Summer Hall. We devised it with women in Law New in prison. Um, so they're all true stories about women. It's very exciting. Please come and see us. You might have noticed a slight northeast theme so far, but that is about to change, but not before I do a little poem set in Newcastle. Um, do you all know what a Java is? Yeah. Do you all know what Greg's is? Yeah. Double tragedy, eh? Um, <laughs> if you don't know what a Java is, it's basically what the rest of the country calls a Chav. Um, but we call them Chavas. Um, and this is what I genuinely observed at the bus stop in Newcastle, um, where a woman probably about my age uh, had a small child with her. So assuming she was the child's mum, could have been grandmother, who knows. Um, and this is what I saw happen. Devoured by drooling dromedary lips, then gobbled down greasy gannets, gullets to hefty hippopotamus hips. That greasy gourmet Greg's delight washed down with sloshing slurps of Sprite and drag after drag of a fume-filled fag. Could not curtail her cursing gob as amid pastry puffing and pop, she turned to her tiny two-year-old lad and told him he was a fucking bastard twat. It's not my fault I'm a charver. I forgot the next bit. <laughs> I could have been a proper swat once, but when I asked me mum to buy you some books, she said, nah, you've already got one. I tried to explain that the case catalogue wasn't really a grip and read, but my mum just shrugged, rolled her eyes and offered us some of our weed. I wanted my life to be better than hers, but whenever I tried to tell her, she just tuttered, turned up the telly and told us to drink me lambrella. I only skived school on a Friday. I even turned up for exams, but the local careers advisor advised that I should be a teenage mum, so it's not my fault I'm a charver. And one day I'll prove all of us people you mock can get somewhere in life if you lend us a quid for the bus. <laughs> now, I did say I was going to try and theme the poems leading into the next act, so I, I need to do something else before I get the next act on, otherwise he's going to think I'm calling him a charver who stuffs his face with Greg's. Uh, so... <laughs> I know that he likes musicals very much as I do, so uh, a very, very short one. Has anybody seen Les Mis? <laughs> Fantastic. So you know the story, but some people didn't really want to sit for three hours and hear the whole thing through the medium of song, sung by Gladiator and Wolverine and all that. So if anybody didn't know the story, this is how I would explain it to them in seven seconds. <laughs> The beginning in prison, cause a bloke stole some bread. At the end of the day, almost everyone's dead. Hey! Our next act is a comedy musician and he's about to ruin your favorite songs. Please give it up for Frizz. Hey! Hello, um, this might take 30 seconds to set up, so talk among yourselves. <laughs> So, how's this weather we've been... Uh, <laughs> do, 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 
I'll tell a quick joke. Um, I think I got the Grinder app mixed up with the Pizza Hut app. Either or, there's a 10 inch vegetarian on the way. Not entirely sure what to expect. <laughs> Thank you. If, uh, if you're part of the Foster's Best Joke Award and you are reviewing it, please put that... T tell your friends. Oh, that is loud. Here we go. Here we go. I used to work at a 70s nightclub. I was in the cloakroom and I checked in all the coats. But sometimes people left their coats behind And if they didn't check them out, I claimed them to be mine Ah, free coat! Free coat! So it's essentially going to be a ten minutes of that nonsense. Hello! Hello! Yes, my name is Stephen Frizz Frizzle and all my life I've wanted to be a professional song ruiner. Sadly, that doesn't pay very well, or at all. <laughs> so what I do instead is I do 10-minute previews at free fringe showcases like this one. And I'm starving. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. So um, I'm just going to get right into it. I'm going to ruin a couple of your songs from your childhood now, uh, preferably from Disney movies. So, uh, so here's a couple of them. friend in me you've got a friend in me I already knew we were gonna have sex but I wasn't expecting that you'd bring a guest and when he wanted a threesome I had to say yes now you've got your friend in me yeah you've got your friend in me can you get him out of me Left high school at 17, skipped out on university, lived in my parents' basement, life was sweet. My mum said I should get a job instead of living as a slob, so I went out to hand out my CV. I applied for McDonald's to serve up fries, but it turns out I was far too unqualified. Work at HMV, you need at least one GCSE. But luckily for me, I found a job where I can stand around and have an attitude while selling teenagers' pointless tat and shoes. I work at Claire's Accessories, the simple Claire's Accessories. I found myself the easiest career. I just stand at the till all day Where else can you buy photo frames And at the same time get a pierced ear I work at Claire's Accessories The pointless Claire's Accessories My shop is filled with chavvy little tweens The boss I talk to every day Is a 12-year-old called Chardonnay Whose parents are somehow younger than me So as I said, I've, uh, I always wanted to be a professional song ruiner. Um, so I looked back in pop history and tried to find the most successful song ruiner of all time. Does anyone know who the most successful song ruiner of all time is? Pete Waterman. 
Pete Waterman. Ooh, no, that's a very good point because he did mainly um, his uh, his bands that he represented did covers of famous pop hit, and yes, they did ruin. Sadly, it's not him. You'd think so, but it's Elton John. <laughs> the reason why it's Elton John is because what is the difference between me rewriting songs for an audience and him rewriting Candle in the Wind in 1997 and it getting to the top of the charts and him making a pretty penny out of it? Now, I don't understand why he can rewrite a song and make it all about Lady Diana, but I can't. should be dead. Back in the 1970s there was a man we should have feared. Up a spectacled Australian with a tiny little beard. From the clues given so far, can you tell who it is? Well he hosted Animal Hospital. I wouldn't trust him with my kids. It's a man called Harris. his extra leg or he'll didgeridoo you. It's a band called Harry's. As Jenny introduced beforehand, I'm a big fan of Les Mis. I would never change the lyrics to a Les Mis song, ever. I wouldn't do that. That would be the work of a madman. What I've done is I've taken the lyrics of Les Mis and I've put them to different happier tunes, which is the work of a sane person. And I call the process less miserable. Because I'm hilarious. <laughs> so long. 
farewell I'll feed the same goodbye Look down, look down You're here until you die Bit of Tom Jones now Now bring me prisoner 24601 Your time is up and your parole's begun Do you know what that means? Yes, it means I'm free No, you get your yellow ticket or leave 601, 601, 24601 Your time is up and your parole's begun 601, 601, 24601 My name is Jean Valjean and I'm Chavin <laughs> Spoken. There's a pain goes on and on Empty chairs at empty tables Now my friends are dead and gone Here they spoke of revolution Here it was they lit the flame Here they sang about tomorrow But tomorrow never came Phantom faces at the windows Phantom shadows on the floor Empty chairs and empty tables Where my friends will meet no more my friends, my friends, don't ask me what your sacrifice was for. Empty chairs at empty tables, where my friends will sing no more. Red, the blood of angry men, black, the dark of ages past. Tea, I'll drink my German bread. That will bring us back to four, six, oh, one. A dream, a dream in time gone by. Thank you. Now, um, I'm going to finish um, on a song, I think. Um, it'll be a quick one. My name is Stephen Frizz Frizzle. My show is called Song Ruiner. Now, um, as you heard before, Jester's show and Rowan's show clash, but mine's after both of them. So catch one of them and then come see mine at 2.15 at the Globe Bar. It's an hour of this nonsense. Here's a new song I've written very recently. It's a 90s classic. Wanting something nice She fancies a quick bite So she pops on down to the KFC To get something nice to eat But her gums are sensitive And she doesn't eat meat But if she can't eat chicken And the sodas are too cold I wonder what the hell she's gonna order I'm going to tell you all that she wants Here's a tub of gravy She can't eat solid All that she wants Here's a tub of gravy Yeah Now she's got a brand new set of teeth She can eat anything she wants so she's going to have a treat at the Indian restaurant But she can't handle spices And she's pretty full from lunch So I wonder what it is she'll have to munch I'm going to tell you all that she wants Is an onion party She'll have a starter All that she wants is an onion party Yeah! All that she wants is an onion party She's vegetarian, all that she wants And a tub of gravy, yeah Thank you very much, you've been a gorgeous audience
about around uh, here tomorrow night, uh, a very strange and scary thing is occurring, for me anyway, because uh, Dave Pickering from Stand Up Tragedy is going to be in this room with me, interviewing me for an hour live for the podcast. And people can come and watch that. And I am fucking terrified. Because uh, I come out with some weird shit sometimes. And I, I, I ramble quite a lot, as you might have noticed. Uh, but I'm sure it'll all be good fun. It'll be great. But these are the 4am ramblings of a sleepless poet. This is what comes out. She talks too much about how she adores eloquent communicators, energetic demonstrators, enthusiastic innovators who use their gifts for good. How she resents rich, mean businessmen, rich tea biscuits, reading about burglaries, buggeries, and Bieber. How she despises privatization, poverty, paedophiles, porridge, and peanuts. How she venerates vitality, visionaries, vehicles of creativity, craves coffee cakes, carrot cakes, cream cakes, in fact, any cakes, except meringues, because they're just wrong. How she hates men who hit women and women who hit men and anyone at all who attacks another who can't or won't or doesn't or shouldn't fight back. How she likes Roberta Flack and Robert Plant and Baggy Pants and Madness. How she's averse to sadness or sand in sandwiches, but is quite keen on Sandy Toxvig and ties and tigers, but has no time for taxes or time. How she detests Daniel O'Donnell, Derek Acora and Damien Hurst. Is fond of the Dalai Lama, David Jason and Danger Mouse, enjoys Brussels sprouts and broccoli and beans, but not butter beans, they're evil. How she objects to guns, grenades, guerrilla warfare, well, any warfare, workfare, unfair legislation, falling standards of education, abandoned homes while homeless, neglected property prospectors, unelected politicians who control a whole nation and dare to call it democracy. Those who moan about blasphemy and the gaping flaws in the family law system and the hypocrisy of Catholicism. How she treasures happiness, humor, huge hugs, and those who have humility. How she loathes propaganda, slander of upstanding truth-tellers sold out by those who pander to the pound signs. How she can't abide conservatism, capitalism, and most other uses of the suffix-ism. How she hopes teachers and preachers will penetrate through this pathetic corporate abomination and reach the ears and minds of new generations who will congregate to celebrate the peace they deserve. She speaks in the third person because it's not all about her. <laughs> she just wants the words to be heard. Thank you. Um, I'm going to do another one. Um, people who know me know that I decided a very long time ago when I was eight that I was never going to have children. And I've stuck to that and I think I've become more resolute about it the older I've got. Because, I mean, look at the state of us. I can't look after a kid. I can barely look after myself, man. Um, so this is 16 reasons why I should never have children. And they are all true. Because I'd fight over their toys and I'd cry if I couldn't play. Because I couldn't promise I'd remember to feed them. Every day. Because I'd give them names like Dante, Jacobi and Raul and embarrass them on purpose when I picked them up from school. Because 
I'd threaten them with adoption whenever they were naughty. Because I'd still pretend to be down with the kids when I was 40. Because I'd make them pretend to have Tourette's at important social events. And I'd force them to all get paper rounds so I could start charging them rent. I'd buy jigsaws to keep them quiet, but I'd hide at least one of the pieces. And I wouldn't tell them fairy tales about Santa, the Tooth Fairy, or Jesus. Because I'd regularly confiscate and eat all of their chocolate and candy and I'd dress them up in ridiculous clothes like 20th century, 17th century dandies. Because I couldn't justify to them why my life's the way it is. Because I couldn't look in their eyes and explain why I brought them into this. Because I'd rather shag David Cameron than go through the pain of childbirth. And my final reason, I suggest you read Philip Larkin's This Be The Verse. <laughs> okay, so we need to theme it slightly because uh, not wanting to have children doesn't really go into our next performer very well. Uh, so this is, there's been a controversy for years and years about whether video games make our children violent or not. And this argument will go on forever. But it depends on your point of view. Um, you'll see. They said that I attacked her. But that's not right at all. They said I tried to eat her. But I'm not a cannibal. It's just that floor-length blue poncho she'd chosen to wear. And those massive long eyes and that shiny blue hair made me react the only way that I can. Because I'm not a criminal. I... I'm Pac-Man! And on that note, I will introduce to you the final guest of this evening. He is the video game loving vegetarian heap of wonderful that is Mr. Dominic Berry! Well, what a lovely introduction. If you too are a fan of video games, would you please give me a little whoop? Okay, so this entire set is for three people. <laughs> I'm sure even the most casual gamer's been there, though, that you're so addicted to online gaming, you can't tear yourself away, so you end up shitting yourself. It's happened to all of us, right? Yeah. Yes, of course. So, let me demonstrate. <clears throat> this is me miming playing a game. I've not got to the bit where I'm going to mime shitting myself. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I'm, I'm shitting myself really sexily. I said spoiler alert, I should have said soiler alert, because <laughs> I am a poet. <laughs> it's my competition for Joke of the French. <laughs> You've made a grave miscalculation playing games for this duration. Call of Duty's cool fixation, MP7 calibration, eating burgers. No hydration, crisps and chips continuation, feast on fries, exhilaration, gorge on junk food, fat inflation, Wi-Fi's bad in this location, how you hate the host migration, online lag can cause frustration. Not as much as this sensation. In your gut there's a vibration. In your colon a gyration. It's not your imagination. You need to poo. 
defecation. <laughs> this game needs your full attention. You can't risk mobilization for fecal elimination. How you pray for constipation. Feel your stool's acceleration in your cruel incarceration. Mouth is dry exasperation in your pants discoloration. <laughs> Here it comes, it's your damnation for not leaving your PlayStation. Here it comes, the situation is trouser annihilation! <laughs> After the emancipation <laughs> of your bowels, evacuation, you did win the game! Elation swells with smells of celebration. Thank you very much, thank you. I think, Harv, I might try one with music. So, I'm dressed like a Mortal Kombat ninja, but shout out if you're aware of the big rival fighting game to Mortal Kombat. What is it, my friend? Street Fighter. Now, this is a love poem. It's a love poem for the greatest Street Fighter. Perfect. Who do you think I'm? Who do you think I'm in love with from Street Fighter, Mike? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you. I'll tell you who I love. Whilst Guile smiles, not my style. Zangief's beef, best left sheathed. Whilst Ken's bottom might seem tighter. You're the sexiest street fighter. You're the sexiest street fighter. Pale males fail. Green's brighter. Grab my joystick. Pull it all night. Exciting biting. Lightning enticer. Nicer than a slicing from Vegas claws. Far nicer than the tiger's sack at roars. Splatter me with flattery. No pause for cause. The sexiest street fight with your big house growls. Such feral calls. Such special moves. Your rolling balls can't improve. You've got it all. Blanca, you're drooling fools. Blanca, you strike me dumb. I love to watch you scratch your bum. Let me kiss your bulging tum. Blanca, Blanca, let me come into your arms, into your game. Don't be alarmed when I proclaim I love your snarls, your teeth, your name. Your orange chest has raging flame. You are perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Feel richer than a banker. Drop your shorts, let me spank ya! <laughs> You're the boss, your beast techniques, enormous power is unique. Your animal skills you can't put a price on. Oh, you're so much bigger than any bison. Thank you very much. Oh, you're very kind. So I'm going to do one more poem for you, and I think I'm going to end with... A few people have been mixing the tragedy with stand-up, and I'm going to do a serious poem that's about coming out of tragedy. And, oh my gosh, my friends, I've never done this one without paper before. Okay. It's about another hobby of my mind, and it goes like this. 
engaged with rage and video games. I hated everything I was, Scorpion. I wanted to be you, played all your games to be you, to be a ninja ghost with fists full of flames and no fear. Scorpion, you can break. You're not a lazy loser whose sweat wet hands shake. Though feeding the ghost I feared I would become, through your games I could find a few hours of escape. I know you know loneliness, Scorpion. The instruction manual tells me your tragic backstory. Sadder than a SNES control pad with broken buttons, I read your curse to traverse this earth alone. And I know loneliness can break. Loneliness can be bigger than the sky. When I tried Taekwondo, I wanted to fight my loneliness, fight my fear, though I felt my sweat wet hands shake. I wanted to break. When I tried Taekwondo, I met masters with fire gold fists and quick foot flicks flowing <laughs> as confident as blood. Confidence bigger than the sky, Taekwondo masters can break and build. They know I'm not cursed to traverse this earth alone. They know I am not a broken SNES control pad and I don't want to hate. It's been a test to not envy Dave's head height turning kicks. It's been a test to not envy Tom's balance in his slow motion moves. But we are more than win or lose. We are more than win or lose. We are laughter, sparks infused in growing. Knowing these friends I choose can lift smiles and purple the blues. And this piece was always in me, I just never knew. Scorpion, I don't want to be you. I can break, I will build. And in this life I will know no fear. With this extra life, this power up, I say with complete integrity, Scorpion, I want to be me. Thank you very much. Cheers. Come see my show, 6.20 at Cabaret Voltaire. Up your game, the downfall of a noob. Thank you for having me. Nice one, guys. Thank you very much to each and every one of our performers, to Rowan McCabe, to Jess Johnson, to Stephen Fris Frizzle, and to Dominic Berry. Now, you're probably aware this is a free fringe show. It is free to get in, but there is nothing more tragic than a starving poet. So if you can spare any money on the way out, that would be greatly appreciated. And please go and see all the guys' shows that you've seen tonight. Stand-up tragedy, 
will be in here at half past seven, not Tuesdays. Jibber Jabber is in here every night except Thursdays at five past 11. Hope you can get to some more of those events. Go and see as much as you can of the Free Fringe. Have an excellent time while you're here. I'll see you later. Woo!